Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sport the Law on Breakfast with Bossy and Brandy. For Bryden's lawyers, let our team of professionals help with your legal matter. Ah, uh, yeah, he's a regular on a Tuesday. It's great to have him back for another season in 2020, or year season. It's all mm. sort of the same thing when you work on a sports radio station. I'm talking about Lee Hadjabin. Tell us, g'day, Lee. Happy 2023. Uh, good morning, Jimmy. Good morning, Jalissa. Happy New Year to you both. Always nice to be with you. Uh, absolutely. All right, let's get into it. Australian Open on at the moment. Um, lots of talk yesterday, and, and we had our own discussion around it with Brett Phillips about game scheduling, and then Andy Murray was complaining that he couldn't go to the toilet mid-game. How does this play? That's their workplace, Lee. How does that play out from a, an HR workplace situation for these elite tennis players? Well, all very interesting, of course, Jimmy. Now, these players would execute an agreement, of course, when they come to Australia to play in the Australian Open, and it's an agreement that's between the player and the, the event organisers. Now, the event organisers have um, retained within that agreement the uh, the domain, the entitlement to schedule matches when they see fit. Now, it's curious, you know, because we're talking about CBAs, of course, at the moment, elsewhere, mm. uh, how there is no CBA in place as between the ATP and these event organisers to restrict or in some way uh, constrain uh, finishing times for these matches. But uh, obviously there's not, because there was some pushback, as you say, some criticism. And of course, there was a response by the uh, the, the chief, uh, Tennis Australia chief, uh, Craig Tilley, I think his name is. And he was saying that they just they, they will not put on one match at a, at a time at night in case of injury or whatever reason. Uh, and they, they will always schedule the two matches, which can finish at any time. But you've got to ask yourself, you know, I mean, whose benefit is it for matches to be finishing at 4 a.m. in the morning? Can't possibly be the players. No. Uh, can't be the fans or the viewing audience. I'm just thinking to myself, is it for an international broadcaster? Is, is, is that why they're, they're keen on finishing, you know, the games at that time of the morning? But having said that, back to your original point, they do have an obligation, OH&S obligation to these players to ensure uh, that they are taken care of, that all due care and skill um, is undertaken in relation to their well-being. Uh, and if there was any medical advice to suggest that playing at that time of the morning was adverse to their health, well, that would be good, solid grounds for uh, for getting out of it. What about Andy Murray? He complained that he couldn't go to the toilet mid-game. I think if anyone sort of told me that at work, I'd have a bit <laughs> of a complaint to make. Uh, Julissa, one of, the, one of the things that we learned very early on in life as lawyers is that you can't regulate or uh, legislate bodily functions. Mm. Um, so the law has recognised that over the years, particularly with respect, as you say, to OH&S within the workplace, Fair Work Act and the like. Uh, it, is, it is patently unlawful to be imposing restrictions on the number of time a person can visit the bathroom, legitimately re- visit the bathroom. Now, that, that raises the question, how legitimate is it? And, of course, this is being enforced now by... Uh, tennis organisers for fear that toilet breaks are being used to somehow manipulate the momentum of a match. Um, but putting that aside, though, that it, it's just impossible to to regulate, as I say, or legislate bodily functions, unless unless they just want to visit the bathrooms with the players uh, to satisfy themselves that it is a legitimate visit. I can't see how any of those regulations can possibly be enforced. And if there was a fine imposed, I do not think it would withhold scrutiny on appeal. Mm. 
Well, Rafa has been manipulating matches for fifteen years about Gee, going got to it the toilet. No, I haven't got it no, against Rafa, but do. you actually have to look at his history of doing that. He does do that. That's my under, that's the way I I look. And and the other thing, whenever you talk about those four a.m. games, and that doesn't suit the local domestic broadcaster, but someone somewhere is loving it, aren't they, Lee? It reminds me of two thousand and eight Beijing Olympics when they had the swimming finals. In the oh, morning, yeah. Beijing time, because it worked into prime time over there in the USA. Let's go closer to home, RLPA and the NRL Stoush. With We had Jamie Soward on earlier. He's the coach of the NRLW team at the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Lots being said about the impact that that is having on um, the recruitment of players. You would have it more keenly at the Tigers, given the fact that fantastic that you've got an NRLW license, but you're brand new and I'd imagine for Brett Kamali and this team, it's really tough in the recruitment of players. Uh, beyond tough at the moment. Uh, we're reaching a critical phase, there's no doubt. Um, these negotiations have been going on for quite some time now. It's reaching a point of no return, I think. I, I think if it continues on like this with this degree of uncertainty, it may put the NRLW at risk for 2023. I know that's a big call, but at the moment, though, the lack of information that's coming to us as to... Uh, the signing of players, scheduling and the like is making it incredibly difficult, if not impossible, for us to uh, further that program. So, as I say, it's, reach, it's reaching critical phase now. This, this dispute, this stoush now between the NRL and the RLPA needs to be resolved and needs to be resolved very quickly. I spoke at length last week with one of the uh, key stakeholders and he assured me that discussions were to continue and I would encourage that. I don't think we can underestimate the resolve of the players. They appear to be united. I think they've done a, a very good job in convincing um, the public in, in, in turning the tide, the, the, the PR battle, so to speak, that this is more to do than just with wages, that there are other aspects of uh, their employment that they're very uh, concerned about. I had a close look at this last week after I spoke with, as I say, that, that interested stakeholder, and there are some anomalies which I think do need to be addressed. Um, these NRL players, NRLW players, are identified as employees under their employment contract with the club but they are uh, declined benefits under the workers' compensation scheme as are all other employees in New South Wales. And that's a, that's, that's a real anomaly there. Um, and they're meant to be looked after under the Sporting Injuries Insurance Act of 1978, which is grossly inadequate. Now, the current CBA provides that these players have medical coverage for up to 12 months post-completion uh, of their contracts of employment. But in New South Wales, generally, a worker may, may depending on the, the, the nature of the injury, have medical coverage for the rest of their lives. Uh, it's a huge differential. Wow. So, so I, under, I understand, I can understand the, the um, impetus of the, the concerns uh, and they should, they, they should be addressed. So there are a number of factors there. I, I, as I say, I can't believe it's beyond the capacity of these people to resolve this dispute. Uh, and they, they just need to get to it. Leave. Lock them in a room and don't let them out until they've resolved it. Lee, it feels like talking to everyone, though, they're so far apart that this is not close to to being done. And the season is rapidly approaching and there's been talk about potential strike action. From a legal point of view, can the players just go on strike? Look, uh, a strike for any any employee, whether it's an NRL player or any other employee, is um, prima facie unlawful. It's an abandonment of your employment. Uh, however, having said that, we've seen strike action taken by unions and other organisations over the years, of course, where there's been um, injustices or they're protesting certain terms and conditions of employment that they seek to alter. It is a well-recognised uh, methodology for industrial ac- uh, mm. action. However, having said that, 
I think the prospects of a strike by the players is minimal. I would encourage them to, to remove that from the table. I think the reputational damage that would be done would be, the hard, would be very difficult to come back from. Um, so I think, as I said, at the moment it's only rhetoric, and I hope it remains as such. But it would just do a lot of harm to the game, but also to the players' reputation. I think they can achieve their end goal without the need to go down that path. Yeah, I think that's exactly the case. Um, it's a threat. Uh, it would be devastating for all involved if they were to follow through with that one. Uh, Lee, appreciate your time this morning. Have a great week. Take care. All the best. Sport the Law on Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. For Bryden's lawyers, let our team of professionals help with your legal matter. Should have actually asked. That was really interesting. Within some workplace agreements that you get covered for the rest of your life yeah. for, from a health point of view. Yeah, well, I might, well, I imagine that's in pretty physical jobs. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. And like, so, like, so if you're a firefighter or something like that, I imagine probably. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'd imagine if you're a frontline worker, say from a, like a police officer, given what you see with um, crime scenes you mm. might go to, that mm. PTSD, that sort of stuff would be an ongoing thing that might manifest itself five or ten years later mm. um, in behaviours. But I, I would like to th- – so that's – one or a couple of areas, but from a physical area, is there a workplace more um, attuned to having a longer expectation of being looked after than rugby league? Mm. Like, surely. Yeah. You, you see all of these, the impact that the game of rugby league has on physically and mentally, which is the real Pandora's box, yeah. on players 20, 30, 40 years later. Yeah. Yeah. See, see it firsthand every reunion you go to. Yeah, right. So it's um. You would know. I guess you would be closer than that than anyone. Yeah, yeah. No, you see it. You see it, and and you have conversations about it. And the conversations that that I've had certainly, I had a conversation at the end of last year with someone, and it was terrifying. Is it better than to instead of um putting a fund in place that looks after players post-retirement, um, is it better to maybe stop that at the source and make sure players have got other things going on in their lives? So if their career ends, they have different skill sets after the game that they uh, can go. Like, is it is it be- is prevention better than cure? It's all part of it. Yeah. Safety of the game. Like, that's, that's the big part of it yeah. too, you know. If you're looking at something about the concussion and uh, CTE and all of that sort of thing, you might be doing everything that you possibly can, either either as uh, you know, looking at post career employment opportunities and the training associated with that. And then if you this happens to you later in your life, well, that doesn't matter. All that goes out the window because you've been impaired. Yeah. So it's it's a really really uh, not straightforward one nil halftime scoreline Tottenham over Fulham in that EPL game. That's all thanks to Optusport. Remember that you won't miss a second of Premier League action on Optus Sport. All right, we'll get to a break. Keep sending your text messages in. We'll get to them shortly. Vossi and Brandy here. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget, you can listen live to the show every weekday morning from 6 till 9. Tune in through 11.70am in Sydney or anywhere in the world through the SEN app.